Morning. How are you? Okay. Uh, my name is David Soren. I'm the lead pastor here at Renovation Church. Uh, happy Family Fun Day to you. It uh, feels like a holiday or something. I want you to uh, imagine with me this morning that you are at home. It is a leisurely Saturday afternoon. You're kind of hanging, chilling out in your living room with a friend, having a great time. But as the afternoon goes on, you begin to feel kind of a headache coming on. You know, another half hour goes by, you start to feel uh, even a little bit dizzy. Another half hour goes by, it's like your stomach's starting to hurt. And finally, your friend says to you, they say, you hear that? And you say, I, uh, and you notice you're having even kind of a hard time responding. Like, I don't, I don't think so. And they say, do, do you hear that? Like, no, I don't, I don't hear anything. And they say, it sounds like someone is like, pounding at the, at the door. Do you hear that? And you're like, I don't hear it. And so they decide that they're going to get up, and they start walking towards the door, but they kind of stumble towards the door, and they get to the door, and they open it up, and it's your neighbor, Joshua, and Joshua looks into the room, and with urgency, he says, there's a gas leak. You got to get out. Come, grab my hand. I'll save you. Okay, now I want you to keep that image in your mind, because we're going to refer to it a lot this morning, because it ties in really nicely to the teachings that we see from Jesus in the Bible. In fact, let's jump into this. Everybody grab a Bible. There's a Bible under the chair in front of you, or if you're in the front row, it's under your chair. Grab it. We want 100% of you to grab it. We don't put it on the screen or anything because we want you to hold it, examine it, look at it. Uh, You are at what is called a Bible teaching church, and that means that we teach through verse by verse through the sections of the Bible so that you can better know it and better understand it. So we're page 727. And we're going to be in John chapter 5. So when you get to page 727, you're going to look for the big number 5. That's the chapter. And then you're going to look for the small number uh, 16. So let's go ahead and uh, start reading what it says. Okay. It says, so because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath. uh, That's just referring to the earlier section where we actually talked about last week as a church. uh, Jesus healed somebody and the uh, religious leaders were mad because he did it on the Sabbath. That's a day where you were hypothetically supposed to just rest, okay? And the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day. I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Okay, so keep it out in your lap, but I want to pause here for a minute and talk about this. One of the reasons that we decided as a church to teach through John chapter 5 in the Bible this month is because in this particular chapter, Jesus explains so much of his true identity. And I think that's something that many modern day Americans don't understand all that well anymore. In fact, I would say one of the most common misconceptions that people have about Jesus today is many Americans tend to think that Jesus was merely a great teacher, uh, like Confucius or Immanuel Kant or some other great philosopher, right? We say, oh yeah, Jesus, he's the one who taught us to love our neighbor, uh, turn the other cheek, show mercy, do justice, do the right thing. And indeed, Jesus did teach all of those things, but we also must study how did Jesus talk about himself. You know, the great philosopher uh, C.S. Lewis spent a long time uh, talking about this because in the scriptures, you know, even in John chapter 5, Jesus doesn't describe himself as a great teacher. He describes himself as the son of God, as equal to God. And C.S. Lewis wrote a lot about this in his writings, but I think one of the places that he actually explained this the best was in the epic writing, 
the Chronicles of Narnia, okay? So C.S. Lewis wrote uh, all seven of the, of the Chronicles, uh, and the very first book was The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Maybe you read this as a kid, or maybe you just saw the movie, okay, that's okay, or maybe you never saw it, but essentially it's about these four uh, English children, and they go to, the, they're living during World War II at this professor's house, and the youngest of the, of the siblings, Lucy, she finds this magical wardrobe. She goes through it, and she enters into the magical land of Narnia. Well, eventually, she comes back through the wardrobe. She tells, excitedly tells her siblings that she went to Narnia, and they obviously don't believe her, right? And so they're frustrated about it, and they're talking to this wise old professor about it, and the professor says this. He says, okay, well, if you're frustrated by this, really, there are only three options. He said, number one, it's possible that she's just mentally unstable right now, right? She's detached. She's thinking like, I went to Narnia, but she didn't really. That's a possibility, right? Uh, number two, it's possible that she's just lying. She made it up, and she made up a story about Narnia. And number three, it's possible that she's telling the truth. Those are essentially your three options. Now, what's interesting is the great philosophers, the good thinkers will say, essentially, we have the same three options when we look at the claims of Jesus Christ, that Jesus said he was the son of God, equal to God. And number one, it is possible that Jesus was mentally unstable. Now, it seems like, can you even say that in a church, right? But okay, well, I'm just, we're just thinking through logic here. That's all we're doing. What would you say if someone came up to you on the street today and they said, I am the son of God? You'd say, well, that person is mentally unstable, right? Now, we don't think that about Jesus, and that's because of the greater body of his work, right? He doesn't look that way at all. He's brilliant, okay? Uh, number two, so number one is not really an option. Number two, it is an option that Jesus and his biographers were lying about him being the son of God. Now, we would also say that that's actually not really an option. It's not, in fact, logical at all. And here's why. I actually think this is really, really, really fascinating. Uh, ethical scholars generally agree that the moral teachings of Jesus, and moral teachings is just, you know, how, how do you live? How do you treat other people? They agree that the moral teachings of Jesus are the greatest moral teachings of all of history. And so it would be more than a bit ironic to say that the greatest moral teachings came from the mouth of a pathological liar who lied about being God. I mean, those two things just can't go together. And so if Jesus wasn't crazy and he wasn't a liar, the only other option available to us is that he was telling the truth. And he truly was the son of God. By the way, if you've never actually studied the teachings of Jesus, the life of Jesus for yourself, like you maybe have some opinions about it, but if you've never actually read it yourself, I want you to do something for me. Uh, that Bible that's on your lap right now, I want you to actually take it with you today. And there's even a little kind of note taped in the front cover that will show you where you can start in the Bible so you can start with the teachings and the stories of Jesus. I would love for you to take that with you and just, why not? What's it gonna hurt? Investigate it yourself, see what it says. And if you read it yourself, one of the things that you'll see is Jesus teaches that his primary mission was to seek and save the lost. It was to be a savior, not actually a teacher. And this matters. So think back to our opening story, right, when we were imagining about being at home with a gas leak. You know, imagine that Joshua, the neighbor, pounds at the door, somebody opens the door, and let's say you misread Joshua's intentions. And the door's open and you say, ah, Joshua, it is so good to see you. I, you know what, I love your insights. I just love your writings on social media. Come sit down with us. I would just, would you just teach us a little bit? I would love for you to do that. Now, if you talk like that, 
are you doing what Joshua wants? No, he's just trying to save your life in the moment, right? And yet millions of Americans do that very thing with Jesus. They see him primarily as a teacher instead of how he wants them to see him primarily as a savior. Okay, let's keep reading because we're going to get some more about Jesus. So we are at verse 19. So put your eyes now to the uh, small number 19. It says, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly I tell you, the son, that's Jesus, can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father, it's the father God, doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, he will show him even greater works than these. That was someone getting healed. So that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Now, okay, let's pause here again for a minute. Let's see if we can unpack this a little bit. This, again, this is a Bible teaching church. This is what we do. Look at the end of verse 23. So Jesus says this really interesting thing. He says, whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. What does that mean? Well, what he's saying is, okay, God, the one true God, right? He's saying, sent me as his representative, as his savior on a rescue mission. If you don't honor that, if you don't see me as your savior, you're actually not honoring the real God because he sent me. Does that make sense? Again, think of it this way. Okay, imagine again you're in your home. Neighbor Joshua is at your door. Which, by the way, Joshua is just uh, the same name as Jesus in another language. Now, let's say Joshua is at the door. He's knocking, and he says, grab my hand. But let's say you say, you know, I'm pretty sure someone else is going to come. Why don't you just head out? Or actually, you know what we would say in Minnesota? I think we would say this. This is kind of our culture. We'd say, you know what? I got this. I'll figure this out right? We're very self-reliant people. But the truth is only Jesus can save you. We can't save ourselves. But I think many, 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 many people in our country, we miss that offer of salvation in part because I think many don't actually hear it. You know, you think about our world today, especially our American culture, we are so busy, aren't we? Some of you, you're, just, you're probably exhausted from just chauffeuring your kids around to so many different things. It's like we don't even have time to hear it. Others of us were just bogged down by the pains of life. Uh, many of us were just really not all that tuned in to spiritual things, so we've never actually heard the knocking before. You know, I think of my own life, as I became a Christian as a young adult, every once in a while before that, though, I would go to church, and when they would talk about God, you know what it sounded like to me? It sounded like this. Blah, 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 blah. It just didn't make any sense, in part because I wasn't spiritually alive to it. It's kind of like sitting in that fog in the beginnings of the gas leak. And maybe your life even feels like that right now. Look at verse 21. Again, this is kind of interesting. It says, the Father, God, raises the dead and gives them new life. He's, he's actually talking about you. It's, this is a spiritual thing here, and it's physical at the same time. But it's spiritual in that God can give you right now new life, and so can Jesus. So when you believe in faith that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you, you make him your savior, the leader of your life. The Bible says it's kind of like getting 
new life breathed into you. Jesus uses a different metaphor, metaphor elsewhere in John. He says, it's like being born again. It would be like, okay, let's say you were in your home and you, were, you did grab Joshua's hand and you go outside. What would that experience be like? You would get out, you would see the sunlight, right? And you would breathe in the fresh air and you go, whoa, 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 oh, whoa you'd be experiencing life in a way that you just previously weren't experiencing life even minutes ago. Jesus is saying, I can give that sort of new life to you right now. That's the promise of the Bible. In fact, I want to show you a really practical example of how Jesus can literally do that in your life. And so I actually want to step aside for a few minutes, and I'm going to invite uh, Alex Becker up here. Uh, Alex is from our church. Uh, Like many of you, Alex has a young family, and Alex made a decision to accept Jesus as his savior, as his leader, uh, just last year in our church. And I want you to hear his story so you can hear what this sounds like. So take a listen. I'm Alex. A little about me. My roots have always been here in Blaine. I grew up a public school student from Johnsville to Roosevelt, eventually graduating at Blaine High School. Later went on to Anoka Tech, which led me to a career in construction. I'm five years married to my wife, Kelly. We have two wonderful kids, Waylon and Charlotte. I was raised not particularly religious, but morally obligated to be a good person, always putting faith in myself before faith in God, with the belief that I could do anything through hard work and dedication. We usually made it to Easter and Christmas Mass, but my typical Sunday mornings were spent at the rink, the football field, or on the baseball diamond. I carried the identity of a three-sport athlete from childhood into high school, where competition's high and heartbreaks around every corner. I was a kid trying to fit in, make the team, be liked by everybody, and do just enough homework to pass the class. Letdown after letdown left me with a broken identity and and an invisible barrier that I just couldn't cross and a voice much like my own telling me I wasn't good enough. Depression and anxiety were two words I simply wouldn't validate or tolerate. I was tougher than that, and I just knew I could beat them. Adulthood came quickly, and I had it all figured out, eventually becoming a project manager, a title I boasted proudly for about six months. My obsession with self-perfection never left me, nor did depression, anxiety, barriers, or voices of doubt. But I lived and learned, found ways to cope, and soon enough, I was a husband and then a father. We had the standard American dream, a couple kids, a couple dogs, and a split level. Building our family brought fleeting happiness, but the crashing waves of depression just eroded at my heart. The good days just didn't feel that good anymore, and I was left feeling empty. The bad days left me searching for purpose and feeling completely helpless. My form of religion was to head to church when I needed a good, powerful sermon to motivate and reset me until my good friend Austin invited me here to Renovation Church on a few occasions. He was my only close Christian friend growing up, and he always had that something different about him. From the day I met him, it's what made me want to be his friend. The first time I stepped through these doors, I recognized that same something different. Peace and joy and grace in the lobby, radiating through this room as David preached the gospel. It was contagious, and my soul craved it. We kept coming back until eventually Kelly and I responded to the nudge of the Holy Spirit as the perfectly tailored words from the sermon, Who is your life for, pierced our hearts, and David's call to faith left us standing side by side, tears welling up and ready to accept Jesus as the leader of our lives. Things have been a lot different for us since then. At times it's hard to remember what life was even like. I still am and will always be an imperfect person battling sin, 
but like an orphan child knowing a father's love for the first time, my life will never be the same. Since the day I asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior, my new life has been rebuilt on him, with him at the foundation and cornerstone. And his promise is to do that for anybody who seeks him, regardless of your past or who you are. Who you are. He's here patiently waiting for the next person to take his hand. Thank you, Alex. That, that's what Jesus is talking about. So in, in verse 21, when he said, this is what it's like, I can breathe new life into you. He can do that when we hear and when we believe. Okay, he explains this even further. So we're going to keep reading again. So now we're at verse 24 on page 727. Okay, so Jesus is still talking. He says, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself, and he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Do you hear it? Do you hear both this warning and an offer of salvation from Jesus. He has come to the door and he has offered to save you. Look at verse 24 again. This is so key. If if you get anything, get, get the meaning of this verse. He says, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. In here, embedded is really the most critical central belief of Christianity, okay? And a lot of, a lot of people get this wrong, okay? And so it's so key that we get this. Jesus doesn't say those who go to church get eternal life. Does it say that? Doesn't say that. He doesn't say those who get baptized get eternal life and go to heaven. Does it say that? He doesn't say that. He doesn't say those who are generally good people, as long as they don't murder or kill anyone, they're going to go to heaven. Does he say that? No, he doesn't actually say that. What does he say? He says, whoever hears my word and believes... He doesn't say, as long as you get your life together and you become a good person, then I'll let you in. No, no, no. And believes him who sent me has eternal life. Do you hear it? Can you hear him knocking? Can you hear him calling out to your life right now, to your heart, saying, come with me. Let me save you. Will you do me a favor? That Bible you're holding, will you actually turn back two pages so go to page 725. I want to show you something in the Bible. So we're still going to be in the book of John, but now we're going to be in chapter 3. So look for that uh, big number 3. And we're actually going to start at verse 16. Some of you may recognize this, um, but we're going to keep reading. And many people don't know the verses that come after verse 16, even if you do recognize that one. If you don't, that's okay too. Here's what it says. So the big number 3, then the small number 16. It says, For God so loved the world. So that's you. That means God loves you. He gave his one and only son, Jesus, at whoever believes in him shall not perish, that means not go to hell, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Okay, 
Here's what this is saying, and this is really kind of what the totality of, of the Bible, the New Testament especially, is saying. It's saying that you and I, we sin. We're not perfect, right? We sin against God. And for that, we deserve justice, right? Because God is a, he's a just judge. He's a, it's not like God looks at sin and goes, oh, I don't really care, right? He's a good judge, and we deserve justice, punishment for our sins. And yet, what it's saying, we just read it multiple times, is that God loves you. So how do you do that? How do you put justice and love together? Here's what he does. He sends his own son, which, whoa, by the way, sends his own son, Jesus, to die on the cross for you. And what's happening is this. So you and I, we, it's like, imagine this. It's like you have the punishment on you for the sins that you've done, right? And it says, if you believe in faith that Jesus loves you, that he's seen everything in your life and still loves you, which is amazing, your faith in that, you hear and believe, moves the punishment. So imagine Jesus over there on the cross. It moves the punishment off of you and onto Jesus. He's taking it for you. That's incredible. Not because you got your life together and became a good person, because he loves you. And it's your faith that does that. Now, when he comes in, he changes you, but it's your faith that saves you. And then God looks at you, the punishment isn't on you, and he says, not guilty. Incredible. But did you see the warning? Look at it. It was verse 18 of the chapter we're just in. Chapter 3. Whoever does not believe stands condemned as guilty. So if you don't believe it and you say, you know what? I'm not really into this. I don't believe that. I'm going to keep living my own life how I want to live my life. Then what happens? Then the sin, it doesn't move off of you. It's still on you. God is just judgment will come. It's either coming on you or it's coming on Jesus. Does that make sense? And so then if you don't believe, it's on you and you won't have eternal life, either here or in heaven. In fact, because the judgment will be on you, you will then at your death, you will go to hell. Okay, now time out because who talks like that anymore? Some of you are like, what did you just say? But remember, Jesus is not a liar. He's not crazy. He's come from heaven to tell us a spiritual truth. Even if it makes our current culture feel uncomfortable, we've got to put trust in this truth that he is giving us, this warning he gives us that if we don't believe, that that is the truth. And so know this, that Jesus, like Joshua, is standing at your door knocking. And he wants to save you, my friend. He wants you to run out And leave your old life behind. And for some of you, it is time. And if you trust him and you believe that he loves you, I mean really loves you, if you grab his hand and start walking with him, you know what he'll do? He will change your life. Just like you saw with Alex, just like I've seen in hundreds of people's lives in this church just in the last few years. That eternal life that he offers to you, it starts right now. He'll change your life now. And then it goes on for all of eternity in heaven. And so now you have a choice. Everybody in this room, you have a choice. Jesus is at the door. His hand is out to you. And he's telling you he can save you. He can give you eternal life. Do you hear it? He says, whoever hears and believes will be saved. Do you hear it? I pray that you do. In fact, let's do this. Everybody in the room, would you just for a minute, would you just close your eyes? I want you to just think deeply about this. Close your eyes, maybe even bow your head if you feel comfortable. If you are here and you're hearing clearly for the first time today about what's really at stake in your life, your life is about more than just the next 20 years. Honestly, it's about the next 20 million years. Where are you going to be? 
And you're hearing that Jesus loves you. He's seen everything, and he loves you, and he wants to change your life. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is here right now. He is in this room, and he is offering life to you. If you're here and you're ready for the first time to say, I hear it, I believe it. God, I want you to save me. I want you to be my leader. Because, by the way, this isn't a decision that you make and then kind of continue living your life the same in that same living room. You can't, right? If he saves you, this is a decision to grab his hand, to walk out of your old life and into a new life where he lovingly leads you. And so if you need to make that decision for the first time today, to tell Jesus, Jesus, I believe you died for me on the cross. I need your forgiveness. I want you to be my leader. I want that eternal life. In just a minute, I'm actually going to ask you to respond, if that's you. And I'm going to ask you to respond by standing up where you are. Okay, no one's going to be looking at you. That's why everyone's eyes are closed. But I just, I know that sometimes in life, we need these key moments where it's just a line in the sand, and you're saying, this is it. It's today. God, I hear it. I believe it. Save me. Come into my life. I need this. So if that's you, I bet you can feel it in your heart right now that you need this. And if that's you, what I want you to do is stand up right now. Say, God, it's me. I hear it. I believe it. Come into my life. Be my leader and save me. If that's you, would you just stand up right now? Go ahead. Who here just needs that from Jesus? All right. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Who else? You can stay standing too. Who else? You just need this. You need his forgiveness. You can feel it on your heart. Amen. Who else? He is so good. And he loves you. He's seen everything. He died for you. Will you let him lead you? Anyone else? Let me give you just five or ten more seconds. Amen. All right. Who else? Let him lead you. Let him love you. Anyone else? All right. For the number of you standing across the room, I want to pray with you. The Bible says when you get to this key moment in your life that we believe in our hearts, but we confess with our mouths. And so I was going to pray a prayer. And what I want you to do is repeat it out loud after me, whether you just believe this or you've believed this for much of your life. Would you all just repeat this after me? Dear God, I confess to you that I have sinned against you. But God, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to take my place. And God, I thank you for forgiving my sins. And now I commit to following you with my life. As everyone still has their eyes closed, for the number of you standing, uh, you just made the most important decision of your entire life. And when you make a decision of that magnitude, you want to get some important resources for, okay, but now what do I do? So here's what we're going to do. Uh, in just a few seconds, I'm going to pray. And when I pray, I want you to actually exit your row and go out into the lobby. And I will meet you there just for a couple of minutes. And I and our follow-up team, what we're going to do is we're going to give you some really important information on, okay, what do you do? If you want Jesus to lead you, what, what do you do next? Uh, if you're a part of this church, I would ask that you go out with uh, your friend or family member if they're standing. And then for those of you, we'll, you'll be able to come back into the service in just a few minutes as well. So uh, there's a whole number of you standing up, so you can go at the same time. Our follow-up will team, there'll be a bunch of people going. So as I pray, you can head out there. So you can head out now, and I'll meet you out there in just a second. All right, Lord, thank you so much uh, 
God, we thank you for new life. God, you, you tell us that the angels rejoice, that they celebrate, that they throw a party in heaven when people make this decision, and we just celebrate, God, and we thank you this morning for what you're doing, and Lord, we just, we ask for more of it as the morning goes on, and we just thank you and we praise you.